Welcome to the FemiPod. These are conversations about females for everyone to listen to, learn from and engage with. Brought to you by your Femi founders, Esther Kewen and myself, Lydia Obama. back to the FemiPod. Thank you to everybody who has joined us and listened to our past conversations and we do apologize for last week. We did take a mental health break. Uh, we took a week off from recording the podcast but we are back and better than ever. Est, how are you? How are you doing? How's the last couple of weeks been? The last couple of weeks have been really good. Just settling into uh, where I've moved down to Papamoa, so down in near Mount Maunganui, which is a really nice part of New Zealand. So yeah, just settling in there uh, with my new doggo, Sunny. Uh, we already talked about him, so I won't go on about him already, but he's so cute. We can definitely turn into a dog podcast. I reckon we'll have to. And as I get collecting more animals into my life, I will <laughs> tell you all about it. But yeah, I'm just in Auckland at the moment. I'm doing Bay's Night of Fives tonight. So took a little mental health break from running and I'm going to give it one last crack over an 800 just for a laugh. <laughs> See how I go, no expectations and just enjoy it. And then I get the honor of pacing one of the Femi girls that I coach, Soraya. She's an incredible runner and an incredible person. So I get to uh, pace her to hopefully run uh, her best 5k but apart from that just enjoy it uh, uh, tonight so that'll be really fun the weather is not good <laughs> we've had some hectic storms here so hopefully I mean rain is not too bad but it's probably more wind that's a little bit crappy when you're on a track uh, running in circles if you have to hit that wind every time can be a little bit tough so yeah we'll see how we go but pretty excited for tonight and then apart from that just been working with you obviously <laughs> but oh and I'm really excited I get a week off running as of tomorrow so I think I talked in the last episode before how I don't take breaks from running uh, and it's kind of like a mechanism of I don't know not being satisfied with the season so I'm proud of myself for this season I'm taking a week off I'm going to fully rest and recover, which will be really cool. But uh, how have you been, Liz? What's been happening? So good. I can't wait to see you race tonight. It does feel like a wee while since you've been racing, so it's going to be nice to be able to tune in and watch you whip around the track, um, two laps of the track, so that'll be good. Good luck. I'm sure you're going to smash it east. I think it's, um, yeah, I, I know this season has been had its ups and downs for you, but it's nice that you're going to be able to have one last crack and run really fast tonight. So, I believe in you. We all believe in you. Um, good luck. I am good. Yeah, I've been good. I have been, like, you know, we've been super busy with work and I think um, have been definitely prioritising getting work done over, I guess, my training. So I've just been really enjoying the, that side of things of just like feeling the satisfaction and watching the progress happen within the company of Femi. And we have some very exciting things coming up, which we won't talk so much about today, but we will get you all across what is coming, which is very, very exciting. Um, it's been something we've been working on for almost a year now. So it's yeah, a lot of work. We've got some incredible people that we've been working with on our team. So we're very excited to go deeper into that, but we will discuss that potentially in the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned on it. Um, but yeah, I've, I've been good just um, 
my running has again just been something that I've been using to help look after my mental health and just have some time for myself each day I think I've always said you know I'll always prioritize my mental health first and running is just a tool that I use to look after my mental health so even when I am so busy with everything else going on I've been traveling a lot and getting between Noosa and Melbourne um, heading to Melbourne for a lot of Nike work down there so trying to balance everything I've just been using uh, running to keep me grounded and give myself some clarity each day and have that time alone so although I'm not in intense training or anything I've just definitely been enjoying running for what it is. I love when you say you're not in intense training, you're still hurry running like 100k weeks or something crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's a lot of running, but the intensity of my running is a lot less than I usually would. And even the load of what I'm running is a lot less than I usually would do. But it is still a lot of running. But really, it's just a lot of time to be able to spend by myself. (laughs) I think that's why I like, I run big K's is because I just like being alone for part of the day. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) But on that topic and conversation around mental health, we want to dive a little deeper into our own mental health journeys today. I know both Esther and I have touched on both of our journeys a lot in past episodes, but today we just want to dive a little bit deeper. So before we go there, this is just a bit of a disclaimer and a trigger warning for anybody that may be triggered by conversations around depression, anxiety, and suicidal ideations. If that is you, then we would suggest that you tap out here and come back and listen to our conversation next week. But if you are happy and keen to learn more about our stories, stay with us. So Est, let's dive into your mental health first. Let's go back as far as you can remember, like where did your kind of mental health journey start for you? Yeah, I think I've touched on it before in other episodes, but it started probably when I was 13 and I saw a photo of myself when I was running um, and I was actually running pretty well and was having good success when I was 13, but I just saw an image of myself running and instantly thought I was fat. And from there, it sort of sparked like a few changes. And then over the next few years, I fell into full like anorexia. So I was restricting my eating so much. I lost my cycle and, you know, I don't know if I've talked about this before, but I ate the same thing every single day and it was not enough food for a growing human. Uh, it was really crazy what I was doing to myself and how restricted and obsessive and uh, yeah, I guess just, so stuck in that thought that I needed to be skinny to be fast and yeah I was really lucky my mum forced me to drink a Milo and I refused and cried and she was like well that's you going to see a nutritionist straight away she was like if you don't go to see them you're not running anymore and I was like whoa that's terrible news so I need to go see them and I remember going to see the nutritionist and they were like you need to eat this 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 and this and I was like what that is so much food And it was like two sandwiches at lunchtime. And before that, I was eating one piece of toast with, I think, a third of a can of baked beans for lunch. It was so weird. (laughs) I was very obsessive. And I think I was, you know, in a full-blown eating disorder there. So that's kind of like the beginning of my mental health battles. And, you know, I think coming back from that and being successful in those years of having eating disorders, and then, or having an eating disorder, but then the downfall from that, you know, with my stress fracture that came, I got glandular fever, I got bronchitis, I was just not well, uh, following 
starting to eat properly again. My body was still catching up. I, I put on weight, which was a good thing. Uh, but I think I basically just kickstarted puberty and my running wasn't going as well. So that kind of sparked, you know, I guess a search for meaning as to who I really was. And uh, I definitely didn't know who I was. And eventually that got too much for me and I quit running. Um, and then I think, you know, reflecting, I didn't really understand what I was going through when I quit running, but I definitely was not a happy person. I, I believe I was in some way depressed when I look back because I was getting wasted all the time and doing stupid things, taking drugs, uh, drowning my sorrows in alcohol and hanging out with uh, people that I shouldn't have been hanging out with. Uh, so, you know, looking back, that was clearly like a cry for help from myself. Like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I was a good runner. Who am I? Had no idea. And yeah, I was lucky enough to get back into running and, and I was a full-time smoker, which some of you probably won't know, but <laughs> I was a full-time smoker during that time. And then, you know, I was like, man, I miss running. Like I miss what it did for me and, and how it made me feel. And so I started running again and, you know, I had to give up all those things. So I quit smoking. I enrolled in uni as well and started studying again and did all these things that like made me feel fulfilled. Uh, so I was really lucky that I got off that path and, and, um, you know, found running again. And then I think like in the most recent years, I've touched on it a bit, but definitely struggled from anxiety issues. So I see a pattern in it and I see it is always around like the most stressful times of my life. So when I've been moving cities, such as from New Zealand to Melbourne, Melbourne to Sydney, Sydney back to New Zealand, I always had, you know, weeks almost, yeah, about most of the time it was about seven days. I've actually had like full on insomnia where I couldn't get to sleep till like four in the morning or 7am, you know, I'd be tossing and turning all night and it's all to do with like what's going on in my life. So I think it's been a really good lesson to me that I need to be more organized and plan my life better around stressful times. So that's kind of how I've dealt with that type of thing. And the same with obviously my racing, you know, sometimes I struggle with sleep uh, and the way that I get past that now is take either taking a step back like I have recently or putting in heaps of effort around sleep hygiene and looking after myself. So I've like turned my phone off before 7.30 PM. I'll just switch it off and then just make fire and turn an alarm on for me in the morning. Luckily, luckily I have him um, put candles on so that I get tired. I take tart cherry juice and I journal and I write down what I'm grateful for in the day. And that helps me to sleep and also being more organized and planning really helps, but also just like being aware of those triggers, I think for me has really helped me to, I guess, get over that, those patches where I feel the most anxious uh, but yeah, it's an ongoing thing. I still haven't gone to a doctor and been given a proper diagnosis or, or gone down the route of getting any medication, which I think if it continues and I have batches of insomnia, cause it literally ruins my life for that amount of time. I think I will definitely go see someone cause there's absolutely no shame and it'll probably help me in the long run. So yeah, I've had a fair bit of issues mental health wise, but I've been lucky enough, you know, to be able to get through them all relatively well. Um, and, you know, yeah, I'm doing pretty good at the moment and I'm a happy person all around. I just, yeah, have suffered a little bit throughout my life.
I know you have as well, Lids. Um, tell us a little bit about your journey as well. I think like everybody has meant a mental health journey somewhat, you know, and some people are aware of it and some people aren't aware of it. Um, but I think everybody has their own story to tell when it comes to your mental health. Like I wouldn't say anyone is 100% happy all of the time. That just wouldn't exist. I mean, it would be amazing if it did, but that's just not life. And I think everybody has their own stories from childhood all the way up into adulthood and like mental health doesn't stop, you know. I think it's, like you said, it's ongoing. It's something that we're always continually having to work on and work through struggles. And I'm doing a lot of work with my psychologist at the moment around like childhood traumas and how that even affects you as an adult and how like your values and your true deep beliefs um, all come from, you know, the ages of like even 10, 10 years old and under even, you know, like a two, three-year-old child experiences and moments that happen to you when you're so young can impact you so deeply into your subconscious. You're so unaware of it, but it's, it's, it's how you react and act towards other people as an adult. It's crazy. And I find that stuff really interesting. And I, I'm unpacking a lot of that at the moment, but I mean, for me, my mental health journey as far back as I can remember definitely would have started through like intermediate years which in New Zealand that's around like 10 11 12 um going into high school I just definitely remember the continual battle of trying to please people and be popular and be in certain groups and be accepted by people like I remember that weighing on me every single day trying to be I guess accepted into friendship groups and I had some incredible friends who I am still best friends with now that I you know met when I was at that age but I think every young person, especially young girls, go through that stage of their life of like trying to trying to make friends and be accepted into groups. And so I think that's kind of probably where my, my mental health um, journey, as far as I can remember, started was just like that idea of trying to be accepted. And then going through high school, that flowed on, I guess, into like body image, trying to look a certain way, trying looking at other people and being jealous of what they looked like, wishing I looked like them that definitely stemmed from probably those ideas of trying to be accepted by both girls and boys. And, and then when I started taking sport more seriously, I guess that kind of flowed into like being accepted as an athlete as well. So through high school, I was a pretty happy kid. Like I know when I speak to my mum, she's like, you're always really confident. And I think that was just something that was innate built into me probably because I was the youngest of three and I just had to be confident to find space. And I guess I was always happy, but I definitely struggled with like comparing myself to other people um, through my teenage years. And then when I stepped away from running at about 17 years old, purely because I didn't know who I was, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know what my journey ahead was going to look like. And I think a lot of teenagers, especially again, girls really lose themselves at that age, just like you did S, like we were very similar in the way that we just like didn't know what we wanted to do and we didn't know who we were and it's so normal and so natural to have those feelings but when you're in it it feels like the end of the world and I really lost myself for about 18 months to two years where I really struggled with my mental health I was drinking a lot I was smoking as well I wouldn't say I was a full-time smoker but I was definitely dabbling in drugs um, things that I knew weren't good for me and that I shouldn't be doing but I did them too like I said at the start, fit in and be accepted into groups um, and to find some sort of connection with other people. 
but because of that, I fell into like a pretty deep hole of being depressed, feeling anxious all the way through to self-harming, like things that I now look back on and cannot believe I ever did to myself. But I was at a point where I just didn't really know who I was, what I wanted. And if I even wanted to, I guess be here, which breaks my heart to think about my 17, 18 year old self being in that mental state. And I think that went on for about 18 months until thankfully I had this recollection or these memories about how good I felt when I was moving my body and how much sport and running gave me purpose. And I think I always knew that in the back of my mind, I needed that to get me out of the hole, but it definitely took me a lot of time to actually take those first steps into getting myself mentally and physically healthy. So yeah, it was, it was a difficult time, I think, but something that I don't um, regret going through, like, and it's not something I could have helped myself. I think it was something I needed to go through to be able to get to where I am now. And I'm still, you know, we're, we're, like I said, we're all still battling these mental health journeys and it's always, it's going to be an ongoing thing. But that period of my life taught me so much about who I was when I didn't even realize it, um, what I wanted and what I needed to, to progress, um, I guess, in life. So through those later teenage years and going into my early 20s when I started back running, it just gave me such a sense of purpose. It gave me like that time that I was saying to start, like the time to myself each day to figure out like the challenges that are going on, the good things that are going on, show some gratitude um, and just clear my mind. So I've really just started back running for my mental health. And I'm so proud of myself at that age, like even knowing that that was something that would help my mental health. Like I just feel now that I'm 31 I look back at an uh, you know 18 19 year old girl and you just I just didn't know that I was so aware at that age of what I needed but I'm so glad that I did and very proud of myself for taking that step and yeah so running didn't take really that long probably about like six six months to a year to actually like get back into the swing of being fit and competing again and that's when I was like yeah this is it like this is me for the rest of my life I need some form of movement whether it's running or something else to keep me mentally stable keep me mentally healthy and then I guess from there my mental health benefited it got better I felt better in myself but I kind of went from not knowing who I was to then going to the other spectrum of being like, this is exactly what I want and I'm going to do every single thing I can to possibly get after it. And I just threw myself into study, into work, into training. And I got to a point where I was just absolutely exhausted, as many of you probably already know, falling into a state of relative energy deficiency syndrome at 25 because I just overworked myself and didn't give myself the time to recover. So it probably was about that time when my mental health took another plummet and where I really started struggling with finding happiness. Um, I was working in my dream job. Like it was a job that I'd worked for five years to be able to get to this position. I, I got there. I was really proud of myself for eventually getting to that point. But my mental and my physical health took so many sacrifices and took so many hits for me to get there. And I didn't realize because I was on... I was on the hamster wheel for five years getting there. And then once I got there, I was like, I remember looking in the mirror being like, fuck, there is something wrong with me. <laughs> like I'm not mentally healthy. I, I'm not happy. Like I should be so happy. I've got this amazing life. Why am I not happy? And it was purely because I was under fueling with that constant, constant subconscious thought of that I needed to look and be a certain someone to be accepted by people 
Um, and it's something I'm still working on now, but it's like, because of that subconscious thought that was ingrained in me at such a young age, I've just always been trying to people please and do things to impress other people. When at the end of the day, the only person that should be proud of myself is me like that. I mean, that's the most important person to be proud of myself. Um, and so, yeah, I just got into the state of um, being overworked and, and not feeling myself and falling into relative energy and losing my menstrual cycle um, and having to take a long time off training and even work to be able to get healthy again. So through that period of time, I just really had to assess what actually made me happy and gave myself time and space, which everybody needs um, to get to a place where they feel, I guess, cleansed. Um, that's probably the best way of putting it is like you need to cleanse your mind. And when you're working so much and training so much and always constantly looking after other people, you don't get that time to cleanse your mind. And I think that's one of the most important things we can do and something that we can do while we're moving and running in particular. So that's kind of like, I guess for me, where I'm at now is like, I've been through these journeys. I know what it's like to feel, you know, at the bottom. And I also know what it feels like to be a fiddle at the top when you're winning races and you're achieving goals and you've got beautiful people who love you around you. And I know what that feels like, but it's also like, that that's not, realistically going to be there forever every single day so these journeys of our mental health are going to go up and down and I think the idea of acceptance is really important for all of us because if you can accept the lows you can accept the highs um, you can continue to move forward and progress in a really healthy way that's good for your body and for your mind as well it's crazy like with what you're doing with your psych how you can now I think what I'm trying to say here is that we're really lucky that we live in the time that we do because the generation before her, before us doesn't, a lot of people do do self-reflection. This is a generalization, but you know, the generation before my parents' generation were the silent generation. They did not speak about how they felt. They did not do self-reflection and they didn't acknowledge. A lot of them didn't acknowledge where they were at mentally. My granddad, this is a crazy story. He went to world war two and he uh so it's actually really really sad he's still alive he's 93 i think 94 and uh he was a very silent man and didn't speak much about what he'd been through and then he would have you know emotional breakdowns and uh show that he's definitely suffering like ptsd and one of the stories he's talked about was that they went into a house where they thought there were german soldiers and they shot the people in there and it turned out to be a young family and he killed, I think he was involved in killing some kids, which is so sad. And, you know, that's why war is so horrendous because, you know, these are innocent men that some of them are innocent and they don't want to particularly be there, but they're there fighting someone else's battle. And it's really sad that he never got any help. He never saw a counselor, never saw anyone. And he was literally known by my mum, so this is my mum's dad, by my mum's friend as the crazy dad because he wouldn't speak. He's clearly got so many things going wrong, but he would never, ever talk about it. And I think, like, that's why we're really lucky in our day and age that, you know, we are aware of what we've been through when we're younger and through our lives is affecting how we think now. And, like, when you said that about um, your self-reflection and that you – you know that you've constantly wanted to fit into groups and that affects how you view yourself. 
I think we're really lucky that we have access to, you know, psychs and counselors that can help us kind of realize that about ourselves, you know, and the generations before didn't have that. And that's why so many people, you know, have these silent mental health issues that they don't speak about, but, you know, it could end up in them. It ruins their whole life. Like he's, he's not a happy person and that's because of what he went through. So sad. Yeah, it's so sad. And you're right. Like we're so lucky we have the access to the tools that we need now, whether it is a psychologist or going on medication um, or even just having the ability to stand up and speak about our mental health. Like we're so lucky we have that. And so we should use every tool we have to the best of our abilities, whether you are or feel like you're suffering with mental health struggles at the moment or not. I think it's important to speak to people, um, whether it's just someone that you trust or a, a professional, a psychologist or a psychiatrist. I think we should all be getting help to look after our mental health, whether we're, we're suffering or not, because if you can take the steps to prevent yourself from going down a dark path, then why would you not do that? It's the same as as an athlete, we see physiotherapists all the time, whether we're injured or not, just so that we can look after our bodies to prevent us from getting injured. So why shouldn't we take those steps to look after our mental health the same as we do with our physical health? Because if you can, yeah, if you can stop yourself or prevent yourself from going down those paths, then you should. And it just allows you to I think become more self-aware and at the end of the day if you're more self-aware you know who you are you know what you want in life you're actually going to have a more fulfilling life because you're chasing your purpose and what you want to do at the end of the day so I think seeing a psychologist is one of the best things I've done for myself and I really definitely would urge other people and maybe we can bring my beautiful psychologist on the pod someday because she's incredible but I think you know it a lot of what we talk through around mental health, especially as athletes, as we're kids all the way to we still competing now, I think a lot of the stuff that we've learned as athletes, we're able to transfer into other areas of our lives. And, you know, there's so much work that goes on that we're not even aware of in our minds. When you're an athlete, when you're training for something, you're setting goals for something, you're competing against other people, you're competing against yourself. Like there's so much psychology that goes on that we're not even aware of especially as a young kid that um I'm so grateful for now because it's taught me so many things about confidence and self-belief and for me personally I there's so many things in my life where I'm like if I wasn't confident enough to take that step or um believed in myself and enough to go after that dream none of that would have happened for me and I'll just tell you a quick story, which I think is quite funny. Um, but now I look back at it, I'm like really proud of myself for doing that. I think I was, I must have been 20, 19, 20 years old. And I just kind of started back running. And I think I just won my national title um, across the 5K. And, you know, like a junior title was awesome. Like it's definitely something to be proud of. But now I look back and I'm like, I definitely thought it was a lot bigger than what I think it was back then. Anyway, so I, I remember being like, you know what? I'm a national champ at 19. I need a sponsor. So I decided one day to go into one of the Nike stores. Um, it was Nike Newmarket in Auckland and just asked the lady behind the counter if Nike would sponsor me. And <laughs> She's like, yeah, I got it. The retail. <laughs> <laughs> and I just remember her looking at me and being like, bless you, but like, there's absolutely no way, like no way. Um, you know, I, because Nike in New Zealand 
New Zealand is small and, and Nike is small in New Zealand compared to the global scale of the brand. And there was no way that she or anyone that was in the Nike store could have any um, impact on me getting a Nike sponsorship. <laughs> but I was so naive and was so, I believed in myself so hard. And, um, and so I was like, okay, cool. She was like, no, like there's no one you can really talk to, but like, good luck with that. And I remember actually coming out of that store and I would say within a couple of weeks, I was actually offered a sponsorship with another brand, which was a much smaller brand, but still getting a sponsorship at that age with not much to my name um, was pretty amazing. But there was something in me and we've done a podcast on gut instincts and like listening to that intuition. Um, and this was definitely a time that I did that. I just really wanted to chase Nike and I'm not kidding you within, I would say three, maybe four months of me walking into that Nike store and asking that girl for a sponsorship. I had a Nike contract in my email in my inbox and I just, and such a huge believer in manifestations, which we'll talk a little bit more about soon. But if you really truly believe in yourself, and I think a lot of that as a professional or an elite level athlete, you have to believe in yourself to, to be a competitive athlete. If there is one part of you that is like, yeah, no, it's not happening for me today, or I can't compete against those girls, or I can't run that time you're not going to be able to run that time and you're not going to be beating those girls. Like you 100% have to believe in yourself to be in order to get that success. And there I was at 19, believing that I deserved a Nike contract when there was barely any athletes in New Zealand sponsored by Nike. <laughs> but 12 years later, I've been with the brand and I just like, I'm so grateful that I was that 19 year old kid who just thought I deserved something that I probably didn't deserve at the time. <laughs> You definitely deserved it. That's why you got it. But I think that's so cute and just shows, you know, you have, I've always looked up to you and your self-confidence and your belief. And that's been something that I've been really trying to work on myself. So I think your story should hopefully give people the confidence that whatever you think, you know, you deserve, you deserve it. So go after it. <laughs> Don't hold back. <laughs> Approach those big brands and hopefully that will happen too for you. I guess like my confidence has really been a journey building that I'm still on that journey and I don't think I've ever been I think oh, it's really hard to talk about like why I think I struggle with it but I do think it links back to when I was younger and and potentially overthinking as well I'm a bit of an overthinker and I look too deep into things and then I'll be like, well, that's going to affect my run or this is going to hurt me here or blah, 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 blah. So I think, yeah, I'm trying to work on being more self-believing and also just more relaxed. Like I think we've talked about it before, but doing all these things, be like, oh, I have to win this or I have to do this. And I have to run this time. Like it doesn't really help many people to have that mindset. So I think like being relaxed and then I listened to this podcast on, like confidence and self-belief the other day and it was this guy I can't remember his name but I'll find it out and it was actually a pretty good podcast and he just talked about like the way you build confidence is just doing the things daily that's going to help you reach that ultimate goal so he was like the path will never be exactly as you plan out so if I say to myself I want to run a certain time or I want to win a certain medal like the chances of you actually doing that may not be that high but <laughs> what it does is it gives you like a way to look back to where you are right now and then focus on the daily tasks that will get you there and that builds confidence so 
you know, if I want to run those times, what do I have to do today to get there? I have to go, probably go for my run if I, if I'm up for it, um, listen to my body, you know, do all the little things that I know will help me become a better runner. And by doing that daily, you, you'll start to build that confidence. And I think that's, I've, I've gained that recently because of certain habits I had before that I don't think helped with my confidence. So by focusing on the little things I do daily, I know that I'm doing everything right to be confident on the start line. So I think that's really helped me a lot. And then also just uh, through, I think the work we've done at Femi and like talking so much about being a confident woman and like working with confident women, such as you lids, the experts, all the coaches, all the, a lot of the athletes that that we work with has helped me as well, become more confident, you know, seeing the way you all carry yourselves and how amazing you are. And then thinking, you know, I'm part of this team and it's something that I'm proud of, you know, has really helped with my confidence as well. But I think, yeah, mine is still a journey and hopefully one day I'll be like on, on this like wave of like self-belief and like really super duper confident in myself, but it's growing. (laughs) It's getting, can I, can I just psychoanalyze you for a moment? Yes. I honestly think I look back at your journey when you were a teenage girl and you were winning every race and you were winning national champs. You're winning, you're winning world champs. You were like the best of the best athlete. You know, I honestly think you wouldn't have got to that position if you weren't super confident in yourself. Like you must've been, I didn't know you at that time, but I remember seeing you and you ran with such confidence and there's no way you could have won a world champs if you weren't hundred percent confident in yourself and believe that you could have done that. Right. Mm-hmm. I honestly think that the pressure that was put on you because you were so successful, especially by male coaches. And there's one particular coach that we're not going to name names, but someone who I think probably put so much pressure on you that when you may have not won a race or you may not have not run the time that you want, that he probably expected you to run. I think he probably affected your confidence a lot because of the certain language he used, the certain things he said to you, the way he made you feel. And I can totally understand why you would have gone from being this like super confident female athlete to like almost closing off to a point of you actually quitting and stopping sport. Like it totally makes sense. You know, I'm going to start crying. I don't even know why. I know Um, I'm crying too. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, that is just like why we're doing what we're doing because male coaches like him have impacted and I mean now I look at you and I'm like I'm glad you went through all of that because you're like thriving and everything you've learned we're passing on to other people but like he impacted your running journey as a child because of the way he spoke to you you know and that pressure he put on you and the expectation he put on you and I think by doing that it can really diminish a young girl's confidence to the point she doesn't even want to do that sport anymore yeah. So I just think you need to, sorry, I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> I honestly think you need to like, I'm not a psychologist, but this is me analyzing. Be like, you know, if that guy, he doesn't have the right to impact who I am and what I do now, he didn't have the right to impact me as a child and me as a female runner. And he definitely doesn't have the right to impact my confidence now, like screw him, let go of him. And be like, I am confident and I can do this, you know, because yeah, it just like, I know how incredible you are and I want you to know that and not have like someone, someone like him 
affect that, you know, because I see it, I see it in you and I see like how that confidence is there. It's just, you're not letting it shine. You got to let it shine. It does make me sad. Like, I think I have, (laughs) I think I have more potential than I'm showing and I know it's in you and like, it does make me sad, but I can definitely change it. And you're right. I do need to like, look at that as something that's made that can make me stronger rather than like break me down yeah you're definitely right and I just see the way a lot of men not even in a sporting arena um impact women to the point it impacts their entire life the way they speak the way they have you know the power to stand up the way they approach relationships like and it's to do with the patriarchy and a lot of men are just so unaware of it but this is why we're doing what we're doing trying to educate men and women of how we can actually build confidence in women you know but like if you can just try and flip that narrative be like and I've done this in relationships I'm like I'm not letting one man impact the way I see myself and the way I act with other people like that is I'm not letting myself go down that route because that is so unfair on me that's so true yeah Anyone listening, if you feel the same, let's do it together. I think just <laughs> take the power back into your own hands and be like, this is my life. Like, I'm going to be me 100% and believe in myself 100% because no one has the right, man, woman, no one has the right to have that power over who I am and how I feel about myself. Whew. So <laughs> jumping from that, I think the idea of, manifestations and what we touched on earlier is something that I found so powerful and I am going to put it out there like I'm a pretty spiritual person and it takes time to allow your mind to open up to the idea of spirituality and manifestation and visualization but I am a hundred percent on board with the idea that it works and there are books out there that speak about it the secret is kind of one of them in a very big realm I guess of many many ways that you can go about manifestations but for me um I I guess I started like manifesting at pretty a young age I definitely did it didn't do it consciously I wouldn't sit there and meditate and visualize and manifest at a young age but I think I subconsciously had these like thoughts around who I wanted to be with once I started figuring that out in my later teen years. And I remember being like, these are a few examples for me. I remember at 20 when I first kind of started with Nike and opening my eyes up to the brand and seeing what jobs and roles, because I had no idea about marketing. I didn't study marketing. I had no idea about business, um, but I saw it through the brand when I was working for them. And I started seeing myself, you know, in an office environment with the Nike team, running from meeting to meeting, like achieving the success in a business sense. And I I guess like for me, I just started creating these patterns of thoughts that I wanted out of my life. And then eventually it became my reality. And whether you want to call it, I guess, manifestations, which to a lot of people feels quite woo-woo or just like a visualization and turning that visualization in your mind into a reality, whatever you want to call it, um, I think is so powerful. And I've had some pretty crazy experiences where things have happened and we've talked about a little bit about it in past podcasts. But yeah, it's just amazing how the universe can work for you when you put that energy out there around things that you want or things that you see for yourself happening. 
Yeah. And I think the reason that you are so good at that as well is you obviously are a spiritual person, but then you have that confidence and that self-belief that's backing your, what you see. I think um, for me, I've, I've done visualization before and it's something that I'm trying to get better at, but that lack of self-belief makes it hard. Um, I'm going to cry again. Shush, brain. <laughs> so I'll like visualize a race and I won't see myself winning it or I'll be like satisfied with third or like. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I've done it before to a point where I haven't seen myself finishing. Um, I remember going to world champs. I'm not sure if I've talked about this one before, but I went to world champs and um, it was in Canada. And I remember um, trying to visualize the race because I would try, I would usually try to visualize a race throughout the start line, throughout the race and the finish line, but I couldn't see myself finishing that race. And um, for some reason, as hard as I could try to try and visualize, it just didn't happen for me. And then I ended up starting the race, passing out halfway through the race and waking up in an ambulance. Not saying if you can't visualize it, that's what's going to happen to you. But that was just crazy to me because I think my mind, my body knew that that was coming before it actually happened. So yeah, I think um, the visualization thing, there's ways I think you can go around like testing it out and trying it out, but you're right. Like you really truly need to believe in yourself and have that confidence that it's going to happen for you. Because if it doesn't, if there's that little inkling telling you it's not going to happen, it won't happen. You just have to push those negative thoughts aside and just really, really focus on those really positive pathways that is tell you, yes, this is right. This is true. This is how it's going to look. This is how it's going to feel even like, really manifesting like the feelings of how you're going to feel when you do get that time get across that finish line meet those people get that job whatever it is like I think that's really important as well definitely and I think like one of the things that I've learned because of those things that I'm trying to work on is like I have had to work on like acceptance because obviously you know as I've said I'm not satisfied with my running yet and I'm getting there, but because of that, I have to be more accepting of myself, which I think has really helped. And when I, and I'm still working on it, sometimes I have bad races and I'm like, you know, I'm annoyed for too long. And I think that's just like a waste of your energy and like, man, you, you still put yourself out there. And I got to that start line and I trained really bloody hard and I should be proud of myself. And it's accepting that it's just another run. You know, it doesn't actually really mean that much to anyone or what they think of you and if it does then they're not really good people around you anyway but I think you know if it's if you are struggling with like confidence and self-belief then one of the best things you could be is just be accepting to yourself and attempt to be proud of what you're doing to get you to where you are Um, but like obviously not everything is going to go the way you want it to in your life like we're all going to have you know, suffer grief or already have experienced grief and like mental health hardships, anything, but it's like how we can move on from it. That's going to, I guess, cause you the least stress and also be more self-loving and just understand that you're still trying bloody hard. You're like putting all this effort into something and yeah, maybe it didn't go the way you wanted it on the day to go on the day, but man, if you're mean to yourself all the time, like you're just never going to win. And then I think that's why I never took breaks after track. Cause I was never happy. Didn't accept what the season had been. And so I'd be like, nah, I need to keep training. 
wouldn't take a break. My body like so desperately needs it. And my mind does too. That's why I'm just like really bloody excited after this race. I'm taking like a whole week off and I've never been so excited to like, just not run for a week, <laughs> which, yes. you know, cause like more just like that mental break and like running when you're trying to run really fast is quite taxing on your mind. Sometimes, you know, a lot of the time you're like just absolutely loving it and, but it can be really hard. And when you're doing it in an unhealthy way, that's not, yeah, you're using it kind of as like a punishment for being unsatisfied, then that's when it's unhealthy. So I think for me with the other things in, in the works, acceptance is like super important for my life. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I think acceptance also helps because there's so many things in all aspects of life that we can't control you know so if you can accept the outcome whether it's positive or negative and just know that you've given it your all that's the best way to continue to move forward in a really like happy and healthy way yeah it's when you start beating yourself up like you said yes because of an outcome that you might have not even have had control over like you might have got a, a placing um in a race because some girls turned up who were faster and that's that that's the reality at the end of the day you know like you can't control who's turning up to those start lines but if you can just be proud of yourself for the effort that you've put in and you know the progress and the journey that you've been on then you can actually feel that satisfaction that you deserve to feel yeah so things that we do I guess um, around continuing to grow our confidence and create the, those really positive thought patterns around what we're doing and how to stay happy and healthy and I guess invested in our journeys and our purpose for me I definitely find like journaling is really helpful um, and it's something that my psychologist always talks about um, and whether it's journaling you know your day what you've done what you're going through it might just be journaling in terms of gratification what you're um, grateful for um, just writing down your thoughts can be super powerful and I actually a couple of days ago wrote down just all my key values and I think it was a lot to do with what I was speaking about at the start trying to be accepted by everyone and keeping everybody happy um, and when I feel like I'm not doing that it really impacts me but I think by writing down my key values and knowing that I'm staying true to those key values it allows me to be like I can't control what those people think of me um, and not let it eat me up so bad so journaling and writing has definitely helped me definitely yeah I think I um you know during that track season that's just been and you know in the last year or so I've really tried to do um like positive self-affirmation so I write and one of the main words for me uh is capable and that's like what I wrote down every day uh because I just want to build that belief that I'm capable of anything I put my mind to. So that's like something that I think has improved my confidence in the last year. And then also like putting, putting yourself in situations out of your comfort zone. So I think that's what I was saying before about the Femi journey. Obviously I didn't really know or ever think that potentially I would be like a business owner with you lids and like, helping so many ladies on their journey to like become more confident and then you know starting a podcast like I never ever thought that I would start a podcast and I was pretty nervous on the first one and like you know those talks we've done on Instagram and taking those classes and that sort of thing I think that's really helped build my confidence as well over time so that's like pretty much putting myself out of my comfort zone because 
when we first did this podcast, for example, you know, I was kind of like, oh, I'm really nervous and I don't know what I'm going to say and what do I talk about and blah, 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 who will want to listen to me. But, <laughs> you know, it's actually like become really fun and I like love, look forward to it every week. And we just, you know, spin yarns, but it's really nice. <laughs> so I think I that's helped. <laughs> I think putting yourself in those really uncomfortable situations, I, I think I love it. I think it's probably something that I've been doing since I was pretty young. It's just like facing these challenges without thinking too much about them. Like I look at some of the talks that I've done with like the likes of Apple. I did a gender equality talk for Apple and Nike and it's things that I probably never imagined myself doing. And then when the opportunity comes up, part of my brain is like, absolutely not. I am not doing that. Like I'm not in a position to do that in front of all those people. And then half of my brain is like, yes like this is such a challenging difficult situation and amazing opportunity dive into it and so I try to lean towards being like I love a good awkward situation and if that awkward situation is really a challenging situation for me I try to make it like a really positive thing and be like this is going to be great like I actually get excited by those awkward or challenging situations and out of my comfort zone rather than like using it as something that I don't want to do and freak out about it and get too consumed by it I think if you can start like creating those pathways of trying to find the positives in each opportunity or situation that you're in I think it's a really good way to continue to build your confidence because then by the end of it you do it and you're like I've never been so proud of myself for doing that and I've made so much growth by doing that and now the next time that opportunity comes up I'll feel a lot better about it and you know so you have to try and lean into those times and try and find the positives in them because an uncomfortable situation is where we're going to find our most growth definitely well I think that's all we have time for today um I know that was a bit of a longer episode today and a quite an emotional one so hopefully you all stuck with us and got through it okay sorry about the tears um no we're not going to apologize about the tears <laughs> but thank you so much for listening to us today we are going to be back with an incredible guest next week so join us next week for that conversation but if you do want to get in touch with us you can reach out to us on instagram at zimmy.co or head to our website Co, and we will be filling you in with some very exciting news very soon. Thanks for being with us and we'll check you all next week. <laughs>